Welcome to episode 47 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me are Ian Sharpley. Hello! And Matt Cassell. Hello. It is Monday, March 18th. It is it Tuesday. Is, it is Tuesday. It is, oh, shit, it is Tuesday, March 18th. Mm. Thanks for that catch. No way, let's just keep let's going. Go. Unless you stopped it already. We're gonna go live. I didn't stop it. We're going. We're going. On this um, beautiful March day, have the front door open. I'm not fucking freezing like I have been for the last four months. And it is very good also. spirits. Tonight we're going to talk Captain America vs. Superman. We're going to talk about the new Flash costume for the CW show. Some set pics of Gotham. Set pics of Constantine, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. And it's been confirmed that Star Wars will be... Star Wars Episode 7 will take place 30 years after Jedi. But before we get into all of that fun stuff that we love to talk about... Housekeeping with Ian Sharpley, like it should have been last episode. <laughs> why? Why? I thought I listened back to it. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was too. It was beautiful. The fans have spoken, though. They say we want Ian. Did they? Ah, uh, no. Nobody said that. I don't think anybody was bothered at all. Who knows? Maybe we'll let Matt moonlight. And he can do housekeeping. I did it as a goof bit to start it off, and I, I think it worked. But that's up to you. You guys can fight for housekeeper. I didn't bring my notes tonight. I'm just... Why don't you handle this one tonight, Ian? This beautiful spring day it reminds me of whenever we first started podcasting. It's still winter. Eh, it's kind of springish. Don't you feel... Does this feel more spring to you? Does this remind you of... Whenever we were young podcasters, didn't know what to do, didn't know what season it was or what movies were coming out. When's the first? When the first day of spring is that? Isn't it like Thursday or something? I something like think that. So. It's very soon. It's it's actually Thursday. Yeah, March twentieth. I'd feel a lot more springy and hopeful if there wasn't snow on the forecast for later this week. Oh, is there? Saturday and Sunday. Ugh. Yay. Boo. Well, whenever it does snow, and it, it'll snow you in, and you won't be able to drive anywhere, you can go to mixsauce.com. That'll warm you up with podcasts and strips, wonderful reviews, all the things that you like to do whenever you're snowed in. You can go to iTunes and leave us a review. Have we gotten any reviews lately? No new reviews. So please go to iTunes. For those that listen abroad in... Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia. In Ottawa. Please, 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 you specifically, leave us a review. We want to hear from you. And you might even have your name mentioned here on the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. That's true. Next person that writes a review and rates us, shout out. On this famous, famous podcast, so don't worry. You can go to Stitcher Radio, stream it, Podomatic, download or stream. And like we just said, any feedback is helpful. You can go to the Facebook page. You can tweet us. You can tell us things in person. You can send us text messages. Any feedback is good feedback. So thank you for listening still, and we look forward to talking to you in the future. Tonight, we're going to talk about some more TV show stuff, some Star Wars stuff. 
probably get into a fight about films and grammar. Oh, I'm sure we'll get into a fight about something tonight. It's probably going to be in the Star Wars half of the episode. That's that's just me speculating. That's what we do here. Speculate. You you guys are going to fight. I wasn't prepared for a fight. No. I don't think Ian and I are going to I wasn't prepared to bet $100 last week, but... I'm prepared to make $100 in about two months. (laughs) (laughs) I anxiously await. Do we want to recap the $100 bet in case any listeners missed this setup? Sure. Do you want me to? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just gonna enjoy it. I get to sit back and watch watch the box office numbers as they come in. In this corner. So there was a bet made last week where Ian stated that at no point ever will the new Godzilla movie occupy the number one spot in the country. Um, and I thought that that was an outrageous claim, so I bet him $100 that that would be incorrect and that Godzilla would, in fact, be the number one movie the week that it comes out. Um, so we have to wait until uh, May 16th to find out who is insane, even though I can tell you right now it's Ian. But um, I, I think that it's worth noting that Paul is also insane because I believe he sides with Ian on this matter. And yeah, I feel I'm, like I'm a camp Ian. anybody that is in Camp Ian has completely lost their mother freaking mind. Tell me why <laughs> I have lost my mother freaking mind. There's, there's just simply no way that this movie isn't the biggest thing that week. There's, there is a chance. It's called Amazing Spider-Man 2. You are banking your hopes and dreams and $100 on the fact that a movie that only made $200 million, give or take $10 million for the first one, uh, is going to be bigger in its third week than uh, all the hype, all the excitement of a brand new, big time, big budget, well known brand movie. I don't. It's sheer know, insanity. I don't know all the hype and excitement. I do know some of it coming from you because <laughs> you're the only one generating hype and excitement for this movie. It looks okay. It looks fine. I think that it'll get some people to go see it, but it's no, it doesn't appeal to everyone quite the way that Spider-Man does. Perhaps not, but it will still beat a third week uh, running Amazing Spider-Man. Wow, uh, I can say that you are stupid. <laughs> You're extremely savvy in the fact that it is the third week. It will be at its weakest point. And if there is a a chance in heck that Godzilla will rise up and take a bite out of Spider-Man's ass. To to think that you actually told me before this podcast that there's no way... You figure Spider-Man in its third week is going to be kind of... Meandering along at about $15 million. No, I didn't say that. I said that I think in order to beat Spider-Man, that's what uh, Godzilla will have to do. So I did, in fact, say that. So what you're saying is you expect Spider-Man to make even less than $15 million. Uh, In the third week, I think it's going to be uh, probably 14 13 somewhere around there. 
to be safe, Godzilla will have to make 15. I think it'll make 9. I don't even think that it'll cross into the double-digit millions. Okay, so what you're telling me and the podcasting listening public is that you expect the new Godzilla movie to make about a third of what the new Robocop made. Yeah. Do you realize that's like the words that are actually coming out of your mouth? Yeah, that's that's fine. I There's think, there, there, I know, think that people people are going to wonder like you're we're losing credibility who, with insanity like who this. Who are these people? There, any clear thinking individual on the planet. I talked to yeah, a lot of people. I thought that that you were nuts when we did our Star Wars episode, but like you have taken it to a whole new stratosphere of insanity. Are you, are you flooded with people coming up to you and saying, "Did you see the new Godzilla trailer? Are you excited?" Just droves and droves of your friends and family, your mom coming up and saying, "We need to see this Godzilla." As a family, Matt, we have to go and see this Godzilla movie. Yes, she did. No, actually. no, yes, no, she didn't. Don't, don't lie. Your mom, I'm sure she's sweet. But she doesn't want to go see Godzilla. Probably she not. might go see Spider-Man. No, she won't, actually. Her. I'll take her to go see, see Spider-Man. I've, you know, um, I'm going to take your mom to see Godzilla. How do you like that? <laughs> That's not normally where I'm taking his mom. Is that what they call it? Godzilla. Oh, you can't listen to this. <gasps> oh! That's okay. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, siding with, uh, I'm siding with Ian on this. Mm. Over the last week... The side of had, insanity. The side of insanity, clearly. Um, since... And I'm... I'm I don't have any money in this fight. I don't have a horse in this race. I would think that your reputation would be more valuable to you, though. Oh, no. no okay. Not even a All little right. bit. But I've, over the past week, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about Spider-Man and Godzilla. And You've done your own case studies. This isn't exactly Spider-Man versus Godzilla so much as it, it is... Is Godzilla going to be popular enough when it comes right. out? Right, and I've I've told I've told multiple people the bet that you guys have going on, and from and they said I know I listened to the Mixos podcast and and <laughs> Godzilla's not getting a lot of pull. Like there are people there's people that I've talked to who are nerds in the know who follow this stuff who didn't even know there was a Godzilla coming out, mm-hmm. and other than a couple Snickers commercials. This movie isn't getting any kind of any kind of push on on TV at least. I agree. It's but too everybody out. knows so Spider-Man, but everyone knows Spider-Man's coming out. We've Spider-Man's seen everywhere. one third of the Spider-Man movie through trailers and promotion. There's, there is no doubt Spider-Man has more media out there. It's got longer trailers. There's a lot more. It is we are closer to the release date and Frankly, they probably have to do this to generate the kind of buzz necessary to make the kind of money that they want. Because as far as I'm concerned, and the box office reflects it, The Last Spider-Man was a disappointment. What also, um, what, what I also think about Godzilla and Spider-Man is that Godzilla, or Spider-Man is going to hit a much broader audience. I think you're going to have more kids and girls and people that aren't... That, you know, 16 to 30 demographic going to see Spider-Man. But Godzilla, I I think Godzilla pulls more of a specified demographic. It might. 
That might be true. And I think, and ultimately, a, that's going to hurt it. There's a diversity angle with Spider-Man as well. If you think about the people that will be going out to the different media destinations to promote this movie, Emma Stone will be hitting a specific demographic. Andrew Garfield will be going out. Jamie Foxx will be going out and promoting to specific... What demographic is Jamie Foxx uh, going to appeal to? R&B fans. Paul Giamatti is going to be pulling all those sideways fans. Uh, you ever see that movie? Yeah. Yeah? Good. It was art. It was, yeah, it was, I guess it was good. Yeah. Now, I feel like while you mentioned some, you know, names in Hollywood that... Some flim-flam is what you <laughs> wanted to say. I, I don't think that any of those actors have the star power that Brian Cranston commands at this time. I feel like whenever you tell somebody, oh, there's a new Godzilla, well, they're like, oh, that's cool, who's in it? Brian Cranston, all of a sudden, they're interested because they have a hard-on for this incredibly overrated show that is called, what's it called again? It's called Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. And you would know it's overrated because... I watched a season and a half of it. Did you? Congratulations on that. Jamie Foxx is a schlub. What was that movie that he was in where he was that blind guy? It was called Stevie or something? Paycheck. How dare you. You Paycheck was the one with Tom Cruise, though, right? I don't know. Payback? I don't know. I am personally Uh, not a huge fan of actors winning best acting roles, like Academy Awards when they're doing specific known characters. I feel like it's kind of an impersonation rather than becoming this this larger-than-life character. So you're saying Jamie Foxx, who is going to be doing a voice in Rio 2, isn't going to pull box office? The movie was collateral. He's also going to be Benjamin Stacks in the new Annie? I don't know that. He's making some questionable, <laughs> questionable movie choices. But I did I did want to see White House Down. If anyone out there has seen uh, White House Down, let me know. Let me know how it was, because I, I want it in. I don't know why. Something about it wanted me to watch that movie. It's good. I saw it. Yeah? Yeah. Good? I'd recommend it. I so I'm insane. I would Back not, to my insanity. I, I Lateral. With Tom Cruise. That's what I just said. Were you listening to me? I was, I was, I was deep researching. My insanity, Matt. Uh, I don't know. We got sidetracked. But yeah, you're fucking crazy. You and anybody else that sides with you has completely lost their sense of reality. I'm either... Uh, it, it's, it's almost painful for me to... Our like, Godzilla to sensibilities. This. I'm trying to find Amazing Spider-Man 1 week 3 numbers, and I, I can't fucking do it, and it's driving me nuts. Uh-oh. So if Sharp someone if case. someone is better at at the internet than me, please let's do that. let's also remember while the last Godzilla movie in this country was not a very good movie, it was I believe it was the biggest movie of the summer that year. So yeah, I I could be wrong on that, but certainly it's it was up there. Without any research, I'm going to say that you're wrong. The Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie. That's the one. This was coming off the heels of Independence Day, which was, in fact, the biggest movie the summer that that was released. And uh, I don't think Godzilla brought in that kind of money, but it was it was big and it was successful. And most definitely, it made more than $15 million its opening week, and it was number one. 
Whereas this Godzilla, people are a lot savvier these days than they were back in 1998, because we have the internet to thank for that. So people kind of know what they're getting into. They know who the actors are. They kind of know going in if it's going to be... Because no one knew who Matthew Broderick was in 2006? Well, it was 1998. 1998? You mentioned people that are better at the internet than you. And I am one of those people. Yes, hit me. In its first week, Amazing Spider-Man was number two. It made $17 million. Behind what? I don't have that right in front of me. It was number two? In... in week. Uh, uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. Even I'm surprised by that one. In week two... It gained momentum, word of mouth. It was number one. It made $21 million. See, I would think word of mouth would have brought it down. It was Well, a good that movie. shows where your opinions and how the masses and you differ. Mm-hmm. And in week three, it was number two once again, $12 million. So. <laughs> a 12 is not, I don't think that's a very good number. That's not a very good. And then after that, it went down to the single digits. Um, What's this Zac Efron movie that's coming out in between Godzilla? Neighbors. Neighbors. Neighbors has the potential to take the number one spot from Amazing Spider-Man 2. I think people are a little Amazing Spider-Man out, personally. I think Spider-Man 3 I'm not wasn't, getting that vibe at all. I'm Spider-Man really 3 wasn't that good. I don't know a whole lot of people that tell me that Amazing Spider-Man rekindled their faith in the Spider-Man franchise. It did for me. You I know, enjoyed the movie. Two right here. Plus but I, Dominic. But you guys are absolutely batshit crazy, so you don't count. Uh, but Amazing Spider-Man is down. not a bad movie. No, it's, it's better than the first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. That's where you're 100% incorrect again. I disagree. Well, okay, let the box office speak for it then. Look up what Amazing that's a, Spider-Man that's did. Uh, hold on. Give me, give me a second. Because when Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man came out... There was nothing preceding it. You didn't have any, anything, even remotely resembling Tobey Maguire's type of acrobatics and Spider-Man. I'm not done yet, put your hands down. You didn't have any of that, ever. This was the first time Spider-Man was being fully realized on the big screen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just, I mean, that that brought people in just because of the spectacle of mm-hmm. it. I mean, people are going to see Batman vs. Superman just for the spectacle of it. Right. But... Amazing Spider-Man, you just had the Tobey Maguire run. Right. I think there was Spider-Man fatigue. Right. I believe that played into why it only opened at number two in its first week. Mm-hmm. But that's why it opened at number two. Not because it, it was a substandard movie. That thing did a lot of things right that Spider-Man didn't. I know you're a big... Stanley, Jack Kirby, it's the ultimate vision. Nothing can, you know, nothing can skew from this. But Amazing Spider-Man sets it up like, you know what, this is Ultimate Spider-Man, not 1960s Spider-Man. Because I remember... does a great job telling that kind of story. First of all, I don't remember Spider-Man being emo in uh, He's not emo, he's a skater kid. Was he a skater kid in Ultimate Spider-Man? I don't remember if he no, was he a was skater, a nerd. but he was a skater kid. He was, a, he was a nerd. Hate that and you can be a skater character. and a nerd. I do hate that, that. I think there was a vast departure from the character. Yeah. Um, it looks like they kind of reeled it back in for this one. He's not even that nerdy in the Ultimate Spider-Man books. I, yeah, I realize he's not nerdy Peter Parker circa 1964, but he's certainly not 
like Mr. Cool Skater Guy. I don't think he was all that Spider-Man. cool in the Amazing Spider-Man movie. He was still kind of an outcast. He and was an, that a the little bit of an outcast. Of he was more of a loner. Like something's cooler about a loner than an outcast. Like he had confidence, which Spider-Man, Peter Parker, should have none of that until he gets his powers, in my opinion. And that's like like a major flaw in creating the character. He was very confident in who he was, and he wasn't afraid of bullies already. Like Flash, when he stood up to him, even though he got his head knocked in. That didn't bother me. I can understand why it bothers you. Now, uh, Let, let's talk a little bit. What, before we before we go here, I have the stats for Godzilla that came out in 1998, Matthew Bonner. You know, you know hold that thought for one I second because I, I just want to build on what Paul was just talking okay. about. Um, I agree with you. People kind of had Spider-Man fatigue, and I think that actually supports my argument that this new Godzilla is going to be big uh, compared to Week 3 Spider-Man. Spider-Man 2 is just going to add to the Spider-Man fatigue. Not only Spider-Man fatigue, superhero fatigue. We're getting Captain America, then Spider-Man. We're going to be seeing trailers for the new X-Men during this time. It's, It's constant. It's all the time superhero movies... All the time. But I don't think people are tired of them yet because it seems like superhero movies are getting bigger and bigger and better and better and people are still going to see them. Yeah, they are, but I think some of them aren't as big as they... Like, I don't think the new Spider... The last Spider-Man was as big as they expected it to be. Um, I... You know, none of the X-Men and Wolverine movies are as big as they want them to be. I think, like, what... Basically, any superhero movie with Robert Downey Jr. is, like, a really big one anymore, it seems. I'd say so. Um, I think they But even ones that because... don't feature him, like Thor the Dark World. I can't even <laughs> say not... it anymore without you fuckfaces looking at anyway, me like that. Paul, you, you were, like, supporting my point, ah! which I will get to in a minute. Sauce Comic Book Podcast. A little bit of an early pizza break tonight. A, uh, a delicious hoagie break from uh, Pizza La Parma. Uh, they really hooked up their uh, deluxe Italian. Pizza La Awesome. Pretty good stuff. Before we, we uh, left, before the doorbell rang, Matt was making a point mm-hmm. about Spider-Man versus Amazing Spider-Man. He was foaming at the mouth. I believe the last thing you said was that, um... If I could kill three children, they would be. (laughs) Was that my argument for why uh, Amazing Spider-Man didn't do so well plays into your hands about your Godzilla argument. It plays right into my hands, does. Like Silly Putty. 
which I manipulate and and form into my own weapon to the weapon of silly putty. Yes, my my silly putty weapon. What kind of weapon? <laughs> I don't know. Is it like silly putty sword. Yeah, silly putty sword. Silly sword. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. so, if silly putty was going to be a weapon, I mean, it would have to either it would it could be you or suffocate. It could be uh, nunchucks. I mean, like, seriously, if you were going to kill someone with Silly Putty. Did you ever take Silly Putty and flatten it on a newspaper? Yeah. And the the whole image, like, perfectly transfers over. Anyway, a little Silly Putty uh, activity for you after the show, Paul. So here's the the point that I was trying to make based on what you were saying about Amazing Spider-Man. And how certain uh, movies out there can still kind of... um, generate the spectacle that you want to see. For example, Batman, Superman, everybody wants to see Batman and Superman. Avengers, everybody wants to see all the heroes together in one thing. Um, I think Godzilla is a spectacle. I think that um, that is different than your traditional big-time summer movie. Superhero movies are usually that. Spider-Man, Avengers, Iron Man. But this is... You know, it's different. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. It's niche. It's it's action adventure, but it's it's a little different. You're making monster movies seem like a genre that nobody has ever seen before. That's what you're turning this into. Okay, no, Matt's mo- making monster movies like they are like the second relevant. coming of new cinema or relevant. Yes. I don't think that this is exactly a monster movie. I feel like you're maybe comparing it to something like. Um, Cloverfield. It's a monster movie. Yeah. It's yeah. Period. It's a monster movie. Really? What have you read about it, Matt? It's about a giant, no, no, no. It's about a giant monster. That's. It's a monster movie. Yeah, but that's not really just all there is to it. Well, there wasn't all that. All there was a Cloverfield either. But Cloverfield's a monster movie. Cloverfield is. I don't like to make that comparison because I feel like Clover found footage movies what are other kind of movies Godzilla. <clears throat> like I was saying it's an action adventure. It is sci-fi. It's horror. So, it's kind of a lot of things that might appeal to a broad like audience. Like Van Helsing was, action adventure, sci-fi, horror. Monster Aren't those sort of the elements movie. that monster movies pull from typically? More modern ones pull the action adventure bit in. And say like, like something like Aliens, even if we go like I Frankenstein. I don't know much about it, but yeah, I mean horror, action adventure, entire theater run. I believe I Frankenstein got a two on Rotten Tomatoes. Ouch! I can assure you that Godzilla will be better than that. Want to make a bet? No. I'm not. By the way, I'm not saying that Godzilla is going to be a bad movie. I just don't think. That it has the the kind of push behind it, the kind of All right. um, I, I just don't think it's going to have the push that, that um, it's going to need to overcome Spider-Man. You mentioned earlier, well, as we wrap this up, you mentioned earlier you felt like Godzilla was the number one movie of the summer or of or, the or year, one, or one of the biggest one of, of the summer um, on the chart yearly, nineteen ninety eight, number nine. Okay. So, in the top ten, so you're right, right? That's where it opened? 
No, that's where it was. It what, finished uh, at the end. What did it make its opening week? Oh, it was number one. It was no, number one overall. What did it make? It made... Hold on one second. Let me pull it up. Because week one is always based on hype. Then the subsequent weeks, if it's a good movie, it can pick up steam. It can make more. It might not fall as much as you might think because it's good. Or it can fall a lot if it, it turns out to be a shit movie. And, we, that's where, and that's where this new Godzilla is going to make its money. Keep in mind, listeners, that this is 1998 numbers that we're talking about. Week one, it came in box office. Number one, $16 million. Almost 17 actually. Um, week two, it came in number one but had a steep decline. $5,444,000. The only media... 50%. The only right. media um, promotion I've seen for this Godzilla movie is stuff that I went out of my way to look for. Stuff that's already on nerd websites that I look at. I haven't seen anything on TV other than a Snickers commercial that uses like an old rubbery Godzilla costume that says, oh, and don't forget to see Godzilla this summer. There's wait. been no promotion for this. But I do believe it's going to be a good movie. So once it comes out that first weekend, I think it is going to pick up that steam. And it's going to do better in weeks two and three. I can see it's, that happening, it's too. Gonna be, I, I honestly believe it's going to be a really good movie, a really quality movie. But it just they're not pushing it enough It's now. not going to have the buzz that will be necessary to jump to that number one spot the first week. And after that, I don't think it has a chance going up against X-Men. Spider-Man will still be out there. Sure, it'll be weeks later, but it'll be taking some of that box office draw. And then all the things that follows um, X-Men, I'm not sure right off the top of my head, but... Mm. Matt, last point. Go. Well, I just wanted to... uh, Are you reading this this right? Doesn't it say 44 million? Is that total? Or was... You asked... Weekend gross... The week week one, forty four million. Where are you looking? And then the next week is fifty five, and then the next. So oh, so made twenty two through twenty five. It made fifty five million seven hundred twenty six thousand nine hundred fifty one dollars. Then the next weekend it made eighteen. Oh, million maybe yeah. I guess I I was looking at I was looking at the change right. average. My bad. Fifty five million. So, but then drop to eighteen, which is means it was not a good movie, which it was not. Paul, yes, there's not a whole lot of hype out there outside of the trailers, which are generating a lot of excitement from more passionate fans that are excited for it. Who are going to go anyway? Who are going to go anyway? Um, we're two months away. We're literally like eight weeks away from this thing coming out. The trailers and the, or not the trailers, but the TV commercials, the promos, the tie-ins, they're going to be there. It's just not there yet, but it will be. Um, The hype will be in full effect by the time this thing comes out. So let's get some opinions on another, uh, on some more superhero movie dukes. When uh, Captain America 3 releases on the same day as Man of Steel 2. Now, in my opinion, I think the only movie that's going to release on that day is Captain America 3. Because Man of Steel 2 slash Batman Superman will have either fallen apart by then or get pushed back even further before it really falls apart. What say you gentlemen? 
I think that there will be a Superman Batman movie that weekend. I, I don't think they'll push it back again. What was the date? Uh, May sixth, two thousand sixteen. Okay, so that is traditionally the weekend that Marvel has kind of unofficially owned for the last twelve years, ever since Spider Man one. And um, what DC is basically saying, eh, not so fast there, Marvel. We're going to put our movie out, and you're going to flinch. Because Man of Steel is going to be bigger than Captain America 3. Um, However, the success of Captain America 2, and whatever they do in Avengers 2, which are both going to precede both of these movies that we're talking about, Depending on how good those are, that could affect, one way or another, Captain America's draw. But I still do not... As good as they can make Captain America 3 with the success of Cap 2 and Avengers 2, nothing is going to beat the excitement of Batman and Superman on screen together for the first time. I was going to say, what are... If we're all still friends in 2016, (laughs) which I mean... You know, judging after tonight, we might not be. Which movie would we want to go see first together at midnight? Yeah, we can only go see one. Paul? The only one that's going to be in theaters, Captain America America 3. 3. (laughs) I'll be there for Batman Superman. You really don't think that it's going to release, Paul? Um, I don't know. I honestly don't. Wow. Um... The, the guy wearing the Superman T-shirt tonight is is the the super hater tonight. Nah, I'm nah, not a hater come out. because I have been burned by Warner Brothers so much in the past. When did they delay the release of the Batman movies? Well, they didn't because they were that was Warner Chris Brothers Nolan right? Batman movies. Those were Warner Brothers DC. All right, I'm not having this ridiculous argument with you. That so says the person that can't counter, like, my rope-a-dope. I, I like this new map, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Remember when Flash and Wonder Woman movies were going to come out, and then they didn't come out, and then they were going to make a 90s Superman movie, and then that, that never came out? That all and happened then, pre-Mixos comic book podcast. None of that really And then Man of Steel 2 was set to come out in 2015, and then they bumped it back even further. Before MC, right? <laughs> or MS. Sorry. And then Warner Brothers does the mysterious pull in Green Lantern. Then they pull Young Justice off TV. No explanation why. They're just not there anymore. It's strange that... Warner Brothers keeps fucking stuff up. It's well documented. It's been out there. Do I really think they're going to screw this up? No. This movie's going to happen. The more that comes out about it, the more I think it's going to suck. But I think we will get to see its suckage. It's strange that for somebody that loved the last Man of Steel movie, that you have such little faith. The most recent thing that they because put out... Because it's not a Superman movie anymore. It's Justice League Origins. But it's still the same staff behind constructing this film, same director, a lot of the same cast. You don't have faith that they're going to put something together, or do you think you think there's too many hands in this? I don't know. You know I, I was really excited because... Spider-Man 3 had the same producers and directors and cast and, you know, everyone was coming back and Spider-Man 3 was going to be amazing. And it sucked dick. So, but this just because everyone's coming back 
doesn't mean that it's going to be good. And for all we know, Man of Steel does well, and then Warner Brothers is like, oh shit, we've got something here. We need to put our stamp on it. And then they don't let Zack Snyder have as much freedom, or Chris Nolan have as much freedom as they had. And now they see something that they can build with and fuck around with. And, I mean, come on. Man of Steel comes out, fine movie. Everything's looking, you know, all all engines ahead, all ships ahead. All plates. All plates are spinning, Everything's looking really good. All engines ahead. (laughs) All engines ahead. (laughs) Everything's looking really good for for Man of Steel 2, and then it's, oh, we're adding Batman. Oh, we're adding Wonder Woman. Oh, we're going to be doing this. And now it just seems like this big... This big jumble of stuff. It's like it has no direction anymore. Like Ian said, it's probably going to be uh, a Justice League Origins movie. I think that's. I think that's I the think most. I think they likely can't scenario. help themselves at this point. And the way things are going, it kind of makes sense. You know, Avengers kind of rewrote the the rule book on what it takes to be a successful superhero franchise. And you know, when you have a united movie studio with that that realizes when we put together all of our assets we can have 600 million dollars worth of product or we can just kind of have one-off things and make 400 300 200 million dollar properties so it's the the expense for them is probably relatively the same as it would be if they don't put all these characters together versus putting them together. So it's a no-brainer. Are we all in agreement that when this weekend does come around, we will all agree to go see Superman, Batman, except Dom will purposefully go see Captain America just to be different? He 100% will do that with his Captain America frisbee in the back of his car. I would prefer to go to the midnight show of Superman, Batman, uh, even though it has the potential to be more, you know, car crash than anything else. The, it is a little scary what what could happen because, like you said, Paul, this isn't exactly what we thought it was going to be, and it doesn't seem like there's been much of a clear explanation on what we're going to get. Plus, you have the the year delay, or was it a full year, or was it? Was it? I think it. I think it was. Yeah, a it was a full year. year. Right? That's a little concerning. It's like, well, wait, what? What else do you have to do? You have everybody cast. Like, how hard is it to write this shit? And we know that special effects shouldn't take two and a half years. So something doesn't quite feel right. So I get that. But at the end of the day, I'm going to have a little bit of faith based on what you're saying, Ian. It's all the same team. I know that you were comparing it to Spider-Man, but. Uh, Spider-Man was the difference there was they didn't move anything. The studio was like no, Sam Raimi, you are putting fucking Venom in this movie and it's going to come out on May, that May, first weekend of May because that's when Marvel owns the summer and that was that but DC at least said, hey look we don't quite have this figured out yet let's, let's table it, not table it but take our time and figure it out. So I mean I could interpret that also as as being a bit of a positive. Between now and then, Marvel will really have to shit the bed to ruin any kind of uh, you know good vibes about Captain America three. Because I haven't, none of us have seen Captain America two yet. 
But looking at May 6, 2016, I'm like, yeah, Cat 3 will be good. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the trailers for Captain America 2 look so good that it has affected the way that we feel about a movie that has only been mentioned at this point. Um, we have no idea how the events are going to transpire in Cap 2, but, well, maybe we do if we read Winter Soldier. I like that... Did you read it yet? Not yet, or? Not yet. Oh, buddy. I like that they're using the... Um, the the costume in Captain America two for Captain America. What was that? What did what book did he wear that in? Like I like that they're paying homage to a recent comic costume. Wasn't it just Captain America when he came back and and he was just he wasn't Steve Rogers. Right, he wasn't Captain America. Was he? Yet. Was that Secret Avengers that he wore that in? Uh, I think it might have been. Yeah, I like that. They're paying homage to more recent stuff, and they're putting in that costume. But I still miss the classic, you know, big star on the front with the red stripes down the abs. Yeah, I agree. Now, but it is kind of cool, because I don't think there has ever been a mainstream comic book movie ever made, you know, about a classic character, you know, Batman, Superman, Captain America, whoever, that has ever been made and tied to such a recent comic book storyline as this new Captain America. That's kind of cool. That might be, like, really good for modern audiences. Okay, um, Iron Man 3 sort of had... The extremist stuff. Yeah, that was more recent. But I, I, I see what you're talking about, because it also features a pretty new... Hero slash villain with Winter Soldier, right? Which is uh, you know recent, two thousand eight. I think he was created or introduced somewhere around there. Um, and he looks he looks great. He looks menacing, and I think he's he's the perfect recipe for what this film needs is a little bit of the new to infuse this this real classic character. But I'm gonna miss Captain America not looking like Captain America. I think that that's. Now, did we like the way he looked in Avengers, and did we like the way he looked in the original Captain America film? I'm fine with every iteration of the character so far, but this one seems to really take a step further away from the red, white, and blue. You know, the blue is almost just like a dark gray, you know, or almost black. It's so dark. You know, even all the colors, red, they're all kind of the same tone, so there's no contrast. It just looks like one big dark suit with a with a white star. And he does wear the classic suit in some part of right. the movie. Right. We just don't know when. And that one comes out in about two weeks? Three weeks? May, yeah. April 4th, I think. April 4th, about three weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Pretty excited about Cap 2. I am too, for sure. So while we're while we're discussing superhero outfits, uh, they a couple weeks ago they released the CW's Flash head, most of his head, and you really couldn't tell anything from that outfit other than, all right, it's reddish, it's the right shape. But since then we've seen the full outfit and all of its um, glory. All of, its, all of its almost weirdness. We've even seen it in action. Where oh, there was, I haven't uh, seen it in action. There's a video of... Um, oh, yeah, I haven't... I haven't seen any of 
the actual moving outfit yet. I've only seen the stills. If you go to Comic Alliance, you can play along at home. Well, someone's getting sued for taking that video. Yeah. And it's a pretty quick glimpse of the Flash running and jumping down some steps. Um, my immediate comments are that the pants that are kind of leathery, which I thought in the original teaser was going to be more of an athletic kind of sweat, uh, you know, sweat wicking substance under armor. They look like they're leather pants, which he can barely make a jump in. Yeah, it's it's real similar to the Ben Affleck Daredevil material. Mm. Yeah, like, I also thought that it would it would look more like look more like a, a runner's outfit, but it's like leather. Like you can see the wrinkles, and there his, his crotch looks baggy. There are Not elements of see all of Grant Gustin's junk all pulled up tight, but it doesn't. I mean, it's it doesn't look like the Flash costume, other than the head. In the logo, like... You don't need to see it, but functionally, you do need to see it. Because that's how runners run. And if you are somebody that can move, you're the fastest man alive, I think you're going to not want to have tight leather pants like you're a what does, crew. What does Usain Bolt think about this outfit? I don't know. I haven't talked to him recently. Would he want to run in this? No, what's... What's kind of nice and what's hopefully nice about um, this early outfit is this is clearly what he's first going to wear when the show starts. And what they've proven through Arrow and in this whole universe is that there is room to change as the character goes along. So I don't really think it's going to happen. But there is a chance that throughout season one, it could be like an in-joke, like I can't fucking run in this thing. It could so be. So that by season two, like, everything gets a little more streamlined. But, like, I don't even know where you get this outfit at. Like, if if, if you're just a guy, like, where do you fucking buy this shit? I, I, I don't know. I like the logo. I like the logo. You like the chest. red in the logo? Yeah, be, it, within the context of the dark blood red costume. If the, if the costume was the correct color... Then I would want the middle of the logo to be white, but given you know the the working fabric that we're dealing with here, yeah, I think it's cool. It looks like he has some lightning bolts on the sides of his belt as well as they kind of look like they creep up the side of his body, and that looks kind of strange. I'm not sure there's different material on his arms as opposed to his chest and his head. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. It just doesn't look like something somebody can run in, fight crime in. It just looks like it's difficult to even act in that thing. I could be wrong. It's a very short clip. I'm looking at yeah, stills. It looks... But first first blush. It um, looks very stiff. Like, yes. It looks like stiff leather. Yeah. Yeah. Like If you leave Somebody's... it out in your car in the winter, it's going to be mm. crunchy when you try to put it on. Mm. Crunchy flash. Yes. Yeah, I'm... Like, I hope, I hope, you know, my, I like Arrow so much, I have faith in these guys that they're not going to screw this up, but 
I'm let. The more I think about it, the more let down I am by this Flash costume. Like it's it's so fucking dark, and I know that's what DC does. DC's not ready to come out like Marvel yet and just be like they're fucking superheroes. Get over it. Like DC still seems to be a lot more guarded. And, you know, let's let's keep everything black. Let's put seventy percent black in everything. So I I don't know. Wouldn't that be like Ian Sharpley? 70%. 70, 50, son. 50, 50, split. It's okay. even. It's mocha. Now, another thing about this is that these are fan pictures. Some fan took this video. Some fan took the photos. Usually not the most flattering kind of images. But even the official CW releases haven't been... You know, like, see, it's almost like the CW pictures are like, well, we're going to give you a little taste, but we're not going to show you all of it because we don't want you to freak out. Like, those the CW images are real stylized, they're real dark, there's, you know, fake lightning yeah. around it. Uh, I, I think between both of those images, we get a pretty good idea of what this thing's what they were, be. What they're going for, what the, you know, photoshopped, real glossy view of the flashes, and then what it looks like in the harsh light of broad daylight on an iPhone. I bet yeah. you any money, we're going to get it somewhere in between. Right, right. We're getting we're getting a, a, a good mix of everything. So hopefully once it's, once we're in show and, you know, they're in the, you know, they set the atmosphere of Central City, this thing's going to look better. I bet you any money that any era... Money. <laughs> grease paint on the face... For Arrow in that first year, that fucking eyeliner probably would have looked that like eyeshadow that he had on. Dog shit from somebody's iPhone. Do you think that the costume is is kind of baggy as it is? Maybe because this actor doesn't quite have the physique to pull off like a skin tight spandex outfit. But he does have the physique because if you Google Grant Gustin, you'll see that the kid's pretty cut. If like, you Google him in your spare time, like Paul clearly has. <laughs> Well, I googled CW Flash costume, and there is a picture of him with his puppy at the beach or something with no shirt on, and he's pretty cut, you know. So I don't think I don't think that's that's the case. I don't know why they wouldn't use that and you know, rip, you know, tighten it up, make him come on. <laughs> you know, you can. I've seen. You know, I've seen the pubic region of every male on Arrow. You know, why not put Grant Gustin in? Why are you being robbed of such delicious joys? (laughs) (laughs) I may not have used the word delicious. Oh, oops. See, there he is with his with his puppy dog. So you can you can put some skin tight stuff on there. He's 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 a young kid. He's a young skinny kid. Put the you know tighten up that costume. Maybe it's because he's so skinny that he would look like a, a strange little red twig if uh, if he didn't have a little more bulk to the costume. I don't know. Just speculating. Maybe. Trying to figure out a reason because clearly at first blush, I don't think it looks that great. I like my Flash like I like my Spider-Man. I like him. I like a lean musculature. Mm-hmm. Not too. He's not supposed to be bulky. He's not supposed to be Henry Cavill and Man of Steel. Save that for your Batman's and Superman's. Like Flash and Spider Man, they're supposed to be quick, nimble, agile. Got a nice lean. swimmer's build. Lean, right? Grant Gustin has that. The suit is kind of 
kind of robbing him of some of his uh, actually his flair. Don't swimmers have like the biggest fucking shoulders? They've got these real long arms, but like, yeah, but they're still real shoulders. Yeah, but they're still real lean usually. They're very lean, but they're they're so they're such like V's. Their their torso is such a a prominent V. To glide through the air, that's what Spider Man would need. V torso. Ah, okay. Do we want to move on to the picture of Constantine? Sure. Of Matt Ryan, the actor who will play Constantine in NBC's Constantine series? Who looks fucking perfect. As there was a right after that that picture was released, um, Joe Pantazzi on Twitter tweeted something like, Hey 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 Warner Brothers, do you know why no one's complaining about Constantine? Because he looks like the comic book. And it's I mean, you can't say it any better than that. Who I, tweeted that? Joe Pantazzi. Who's that? She writes for the MarySue.com. She also wrote for Newsarama for a while. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean the the guy looks <coughs> guy looks like Constantine steps right off the page. Yeah, they have some side-by-sides of uh, the comic and then the first images, and it looks dead on. The one thing that I realized this week, though, and I am... I'm, I must be stupid. Well, I think we covered that. <laughs> I didn't realize that Castiel is supposed to be Constantine or a rip-off or an iconic, uh, an ironic version of Constantine. He wears the same exact outfit. Yeah, but he's Is not he su- like Constantine. He's not way. like him and in any way. He's actually... Just visually. Visually, he looks like Constantine. Okay. I think that's what they were going for oh, okay. as well. Right. He's actually the opposite of what Constantine is. You know, he's he doesn't really... Uh, he's an angel. Yes, he's an angel, whereas Constantine is the devil... Mm-hmm. The fruits, the fruits uh, of the, of the dead devil. Hill. You you know that one or you don't? I don't know what you're talking about. So I married an axe murderer. Ah, only saw it once. It was a long time uh, ago. Deep cut, Max Cell, everybody. <laughs> but see that that's that's the thing about the fruits of the devil. That's not a deep enough cut for Matt. You have to go deeper. Yeah, you got to go real deep. You gotta make, like, a, a Ralph Dibney Gingold reference. I don't even know who that is, either. Not deep enough for Matt. Not deep enough. Isn't Gingold... It's something that he... Is it... He Does he drink this? Yeah, is that right? Okay. Takes to, to make them all Where did stretchy. I hear that? I heard that somewhere. Uh, that old comic smell. It, yes, it was that old comic smell. Yeah, since I listened to that episode, that's... The, the Gingold has, has been stuck in my head. So, Constantine, I don't think any of us can argue about... Uh, I, I don't think there's a whole lot to say other than looks great. Um, maybe we have... we Can we agree that now our excitement or maybe our, our expectations have risen a little bit for Constantine, the, the show? Has there been a precedent set previously on TV or in the movies that, we, that the costume looked great and then the product was garbage? Uh, yeah, Catwoman. Did it look great? Oh, you mean uh, Dark Knight Rises Catwoman? Halle Berry Catwoman. You thought that looked great? No. Why do we podcast with this kid? (laughs) 
He's being difficult this evening. Yeah, I, I that was a joke. Everything else I said was... I can't think of any initial movie true. where the costume looked amazing and then the movie was... I still don't have very much faith in NBC's way that they're going to handle supernatural, comic book-themed show. Grimm seems to be doing pretty good. I mean, like, Grimm's, Grimm's yeah. like the baseline but we for don't like, Constantine. But we don't like Grimm. That's what I'm saying. Right. I don't think that I'm going to like this show based on that. Yeah, but if you're looking at what NBC has already produced in the manner of, like, supernatural dark shows... Grim, uh, they have that Dracula show, right? But I've never seen that. So it, it's our, okay. the baseline for is, is 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 real limited for this. But if they keep going like the Constantine outfit, well done, well done. I wish Mark. there was a third part of Polynomics where I know there's expectation, excitement, faith. This would give me a one point bump. In faith. One point swing. One Holy point swing shit. in faith. Now we're talking about enonomics. Enonomics. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could put stock in faith for a, a lot of things. Faith is too nebulous. You clearly too have no faith in Warner Brothers oh, and Man true. of Steel 2. None. So your faith would be at a zero. My faith. For Man of Steel 2 is at but a isn't that four? But isn't, a four. isn't that really expectation? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to make something new and fresh. No. Don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> keep it. Keep working. We like. We okay. like that. Shot you know, down. Like bringing stuff. <laughs> That's what I bring. We want to see more of that. Yeah. Well, this just. This is not the the form for brainstorming. <laughs> My ideas aren't valid here. So we also got Gotham set picks this week, and I think those look great. If you want your set picks news, you come to McSauce (laughs) Podcast. You come to the audio (laughs) podcast. The McSauce set picks podcast. (laughs) This week in still pictures from... Properties that we have yet to actually see anything from. The kid playing the penguin looks pretty solid. Uh, there was a quote from Donald Logue uh, where I don't expect to shit. I don't expect him to shit on the pro- the project he's working on. Um, but he came out and said that what was what I found interesting was he said that it's really cool because there are certain aspects of the sets that they're on that have. A very futuristic vibe, and at the same time, you feel like you're back in the 20s. So, what I get out of that is that the tone for this is going to be animated series-ish. Because the animated series had that, you know, retro vibe with certain amounts of technology. So you think it'll be kind of kid-friendly then? I think it'll be the adult live-action version so it'll of have the animated a little- series. at a At little least. More, a little more of an edge. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. A little bit. You know, the guy that plays the penguin looks penguinish. I wish they would have given him a nose. I think he's he's got some kind of nose. I think that's his nose. Yeah. it's yeah. His nose is kind of his, like that. Yeah. So God gave him a nose. Yeah. I, 
you know, unless it's Adrian Brody or something, put a prosthetic on his fucking face. Like, really? You don't on. think that this guy's nose is... Not uh, enough. I mean, unless as he gets older and fatter, it grows, but... Uh, I don't know. Just... It, you know, I'm cool with any interpretation of the character that you want, but that's his thing, man. That's his signature. He's got some kind of crazy nose. And uh, just a slightly pointy nose, like, that, that somebody naturally would have, that you wouldn't really think twice about when you see it, eh, not enough. See, I don't... I'm, my, uh... My expectation and excitement for Gotham is not hanging on... The nose, the prosthesis. No, I'm I'm just grading. Paper. I'm just grading the pictures themselves. Your faith in the nose or the whole property? Faith? Third part of polynomics? No, no. I think don't, the penguin don't looks... cut your nose off despite your faith. Oh, <laughs> penguin! I, I, I think the penguin looks fine. I'm really happy with Gordon and Bullock. The picture of those two sitting on the steps. I mean, they look like Jim Gordon and Harvey Bullock. Except Ben McKenzie doesn't have a mustache. Well, I was going to say, it looks like Harvey Bullock and a dude sitting on the steps. Um, The guy from Southland. uh, Yeah, or the guy from the OC. I wasn't really sure about Ben McKenzie being cast as Gordon. Like, I like Ben McKenzie, uh but I was always on the fence until I saw these pics. And I'm like, all right, you know, modern day Gotham, young Jim Gordon. Okay. Are we bothered that they took away two of the real distinctive features of Jim Gordon? The mustache and the trench coat? And the glasses. glasses. Well, we don't know if he doesn't have glasses. We don't know that. Is he wearing them in these pictures? No, but we don't know he doesn't have them. True. if If you're... In the pictures, he's clearly running around town doing shit. I mean, he may have... So this is before his eye problems. He may have reading glasses. (laughs) We That's not enough. We don't know about the glasses. Yeah. Blind Gordon you know, it, is what I ask for. Why, why can't he have a mustache? Do young people simply not have mustaches? Is that... Well, let's hear a hipster. No. No one has just a mustache anymore. I'm okay with no mustache. I'm, I'm all in for Ben McKenzie. I, no, I know what I'm you're saying. It. It's, it's not that common anymore, but... Neither are people with the name Harvey... And yet, we're still going to call him Harvey. Um, these are these are things that distinguish him as a character, you know, visually. And when those things go missing, like the penguin's nose, then eh, it's just just some dude that they're saying is going to be that character. I want to see actors become the character, not the other way around. That's fair. I don't really know. I don't really have a rebuttal. For that, like I, I, I see what you're saying about the name Harvey, and even like, and like Hal Jordan. I mean, no one's named Harold anymore, or even Clark. Yeah, get away with Bruce, and Tony, Steve. But yeah, you don't see you don't see a lot of Harveys. But uh, like, as far as updating it for a modern version of this character I'm alright and we got Gary Oldman and the dark and uh the Chris Nolan stuff look great glasses mustache the quintessential James Gordon it was the quintessential I mean partially because it was well written and incredibly well acted but also because he looked right I, I mean 
I feel like visual fidelity goes such a long way, at least with me. Uh, and I would think other comic book fans would... Sorry. When this shit starts looking the way that you expect it to, when your expectations are met, it also ramps up your excitement. And it increases the faith that you would have in that property. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like while while I agree with that, and I would I would like to see the more of the brown trench coat and the glasses, but these are just initial picks. And the comic reading audience is such a small part of the general audience that these these properties are trying to pull in. Now I have a question kind of spinning off of that. Do you think that the powers that be that, that make these decisions about casting, appearance of films and TV, do you think they're kind of leaving behind the what the concerns of the fanboy? Do you think that they're going for, in the case of, say, the Fantastic Four, we know that we need a diverse roster. Forget the fans. They're only a small percentage of what our box office takes going to be. If we get the masses, it doesn't matter. So let's make this decision and go with a different roster or on a smaller scale this. Well, we want handsome, non-glasses, non-hipster, mustache-wearing Jim Gordon. Forget the fans and what they think. Comic fans... Comic fans are so fucking... I guess just any kind of fans. They're so bipolar anyway. Because on a daily basis, through Twitter or websites, it's more diversity in comics, more diversity in comics. We need more diversity. More more blacks, more women, more people that aren't white men. Wait, wait, wait. Are they saying to take existing properties and characters and change their gender or race? Or are they saying brand new female characters or brand new black characters? All of the above. We have a great opportunity here to reboot Wally West and not make him white. Let's go do that. Let's let's do this, you know. But and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, we're making them black. And fans black? are like, oh, fuck, that's ridiculous. Heimdall, black, what? And then we all go see it and we're like, that's eh, pretty good. And I'm like, this is what the bulk of you fucking idiots are asking for. You want diversity, this is it. This is how you're going to get it. And, you know, by putting that kind of diversity in a major motion picture, in a fucking movie, that's going to hit so much wider of an audience than dinky comic books. Like, that's the way that you're going to get your diversity filtered down through all of the stuff that you want. So don't fucking say that, you know, there isn't enough diversity in comics and then bitch when Johnny Storm is black. And I think a lot of that fanboy venom goes away if simply the product's good. If it's a good version of Johnny Storm, I think we're all going to, the people that have a problem with it, are going to forget it. Man, he's really become the face of diversity in nerd culture. (laughs) He's holding the... It was uh, you up until now. I know, right? But yeah, I think if it's good, people forget about it. You know, they don't have such a problem because it was like, oh, well, it, you know, honestly, it did the source material justice. It was, it was well acted mm-hmm. and, and I liked it. Yeah, That's I, what I, it all comes down to. I, think, I liked it. I think Mackenzie looks good as Gordon. I think for this, and we've seen different versions of these characters throughout, you know, the entire run of, of these characters since, since they've existed. And this is just a different, different version of those characters. You know, Turtles all had the same color masks when they premiered. Now it's, you know, 
they've had different color masks. They've gone back to the same. You know, they've it's just a different different identity for these characters. In comic books, in comics in general, they change all the time. I don't know why people are so crazy when they change from TV and film. In the comics themselves, they change all the time. Fucking Fantastic Four was Ghost Rider, Wolverine, Hulk, and Spider-Man at one point. And fans hated that, too. But they it was kind of cool. Did you like it, Matt? I liked it, but I was, you know, 12. Me too. I mean, really, does a 12-year-old's opinion count? Eh, no. Well, it does whenever it's comic books, and they're using their 12-year-old dollars That's to support true. that industry. That but um, I'm with Matt. I'd, I'd like to see them be faithful. Oh. Yeah, what did... I was going to say... I've like, been quiet for like an hour. Yeah, here. I'd, I'd like to see them be faithful, but I think Bullock looks great. Penguin looks looks great to me, and, you know, Gordon looks like a... This he guy, looks he like, looks like a guy. He looks like just a guy. Yeah. He you looks know, like a good 2014 detective. It, it kind of makes sense that they're, that they're positioning this television show uh, in the timeline that they are by making it a young Jim Gordon coming off the heels of... The incredibly uh, well-renowned um, Gary Oldman performance, and then kind of rolling into a, a um, well, we don't know who Gordon's going to be in the new one, but whoever you're going to have a movie version of him in just a couple years. So having like this third Jim Gordon version, how are you going to set it apart? Eh, let's make him when he's young. Okay, whatever. This is the this is the prequel to the mustache and glasses. Yeah, for sure. I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Gonna, I'm going to say... We're going to find what what horrible accident happens to his upper lip where he has to cover it with the mustache. I'm going to say he plays Gordon. Hair. He plays Gordon at, what, 27, 30 years old? Would you say? Sure. Sure. I'm 35. I don't have glasses yet. But by the time we see grizzled veteran Jim Gordon with the Batman, maybe he'll need glasses. So maybe by the time I'm meeting Batman and clandestine meetings on rooftops, I will need spectacles. And Batman will come all over those spectacles whenever you're going to blow I heard, I heard the way you said that with a C-U-M. Mm-hmm. That was filthy. Yeah. So, um... Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, it was stupid. No, I want to hear it. Well, it was his uh, jerking off motion that also sold the... Uh, the coming. The comage. Yeah. So Matt, um, why don't you why don't you take us away uh, with this uh, final part of to the a far, final part of the podcast to a galaxy far, far away? In a weekly segment, we like to call Matt on Star Wars. <laughs> I dubbed it a long time ago this week with Matt. <laughs> uh, well, get used to it because we are. Uh, starting to get some real news about Episode Seven, uh, which is the new Star Wars movie. For those of you that that don't know about it, they're making a new Star Wars. How dare you talk down to the audience in this fashion? If they hung in with us for forty six episodes, I was winking to the audience. <laughs> so uh, today they announced that uh, that the sequel to Return of the Jedi will take place. 30 years after Return of the Jedi. And not only that, uh, which, which, by the way, just so happens to be about 30 years in real time as well. Hmm, I wonder who they might be thinking to put in this movie. Who would be age-appropriate? You? No, what... 
Paul, do you have any any ideas? Robert Redford? Yes, Robert Redford. Richard Dreyfus. Bill Murray. I think Richard Dreyfus would be inspired. I don't know why I just did What About Bob, but that's besides the point. Because you love deep cuts! (laughs) What About Bob isn't a deep cut. It's one of the funniest movies of all time. I, I think What About Bob's fairly deep cut. I, 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 it's pretty deep. I'm not. No, I'm not willing to say it's deep cut because Matt does the deep cut. Yeah, it's not really deep cut. Show, but it's cut. not. It's, paper it's cut. not Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters you know? is a paper cut. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters is, right is like service. losing your fucking arm. Ghostbusters is huge. Yeah, it's not well, that's, well that's kind of deep if you, like, yeah, cut your arm off. That's, what's like, the, the movie, deepest you can cut. What's the movie Bill Murray did with Jason Schwartzman? Rushmore. Rushmore. Yeah. See, I would say What About Bob at this point is a step under Rushmore. But Rushmore's not a deep cut anymore. But when you're cutting deep, if you cut your arm off, that's as, it's all the way through. That's deep. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sidetrack. Anyway, Star Wars episode. Bill Murray's not likely not really going to be in episode seven. Uh, however, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill probably are going to be because this press release today said that uh, some very familiar faces are going to return, but we don't have any official casting announcements at this time. Wait, bummed out when it's like Lobot and that's it. Yeah, right. So uh, it makes sense being thirty years real time. Uh, has passed, and they're going to set it 30 years later, so, you know, Luke Skywalker, hey, he's 30 years older than he was in Return of the Jedi. Makes sense. They also said in this press release that the this movie is going to focus on a trio of main characters, indicating maybe the classic trio, Luke, Han, and Leia, are more going to be supporting characters like we kind of originally thought. But I think as we discussed here maybe a month ago, uh, they removed Michael Arndt from writing responsibilities, and he was replaced with Lawrence Kasdan and J.J. Abrams. And supposedly part of the problem was they didn't like the direction that Arndt was taking it. Arndt apparently was taking it and focusing more on new younger characters like Luke's son or Han and Leia's daughter or whatever it might have been, but the offspring, and having the classic heroes in supporting roles. J.J. Abrams wanted to flip that and have the classic characters the main ones for for this movie, and then in the subsequent ones let the younger characters take over and, and run with it. And um, that kind of supports the um, the the makeup, I think, of like episode one, two, and three, where you had Qui Gon as kind of this older, established, not within the, the context of fandom, but within the context of the Star Wars universe, this established character. And um, he was he was killed, and then Obi Wan, who was a supporting character, then takes over in two and three, and. Uh, I think that's what people were thinking that J.J. Abrams wanted to do, but based on this release, it looks like maybe that's not going to be the case. I'm ready for some solid fucking news. I'm ready for some real shit. Like, this is cool. Then, all right, now we know Now Time we know line. what's up. We Time know line. where... That's all we know. We're, I want to know who the three main characters are. I want to know who the 
Who are the familiar Random faces? white guy, the black dude, and the, and the Asian girl are going to be. You There's know, all kinds of... Like, the one of the, the newest rumors is the uh, the chick that won Best Supporting Actress for 12 Years a Slave. Um, she is in the running to have a, a prominent role as a descendant of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, kind of not real sure how that works. He's got jungle fever. Yeah, yes, that's how that works, Ben. Uh, <laughs> so, who knows? Who knows what they're doing? But look, Paul, exactly. Like, the, all it was were, were snippets of information that just leave us speculating more. We're getting closer. And, we are. But like, I'm for as polarizing as Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot and you know whatever other casting has come out for other big movies has been everything's just speculation with Star Wars but even when they are even when Star Wars rumor, casting rumors do come out you're like who the fuck are these people like the latest round about the you know the potential lead three I know one kid Jesse Plemons because he was on Friday Night Lights I've seen him in a couple things but the other two guys I've never seen these cats before so you know, it's yeah. You know, we'll we'll hate on some big names if they get announced for roles, but it's it's at least exciting because you know Ben, Aff- you know Ben Affleck, you know Jesse Eisenberg. But like these guys, I'm like, all right, put them in there. I I don't know these guys. Yeah, who gives a shit, right? Except for you know, but even Adam Driver, like I know Adam Driver. Yeah, but I don't know him. He right. looks like some weirdo hipster, and it's going to be weird to see him as Darth Vader. Like, you know, who's familiar with Downton Abbey's Ed Spilliers? Oh, he's awesome. <laughs> or attack, attack the blocks, John Boyega. Uh. Uh-uh. Well, that's always been a kind of a staple of Star Wars movies, where they get a lot of. Uh, they're actors and actresses that aren't quite as big. Although they, they kind of bucked that trend a bit with uh, the prequels. You know, Natalie Portman was a name. Liam Neeson obviously was. But especially Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon Jinn. He kind of like... When you watch that movie, you don't really see Liam Neeson. You see Qui-Gon Jinn. He totally becomes a character. And I think if... I, I, like, I like kind of going that way. You bring in some of these no-name kids that no one knows, and then you put them with a Liam Neeson. Like, you support them with, you know, someone like Gary Oldman. Someone that, like, uh, almost like Harry Potter did. You know, you have Emma Watson, you know, Rupert Grint, and Daniel Radcliffe. No one knows who they are. But then you bring in Emma Thompson and uh, the guy that plays Snape, Richard Harris, Gary Oldman. You bring in all these big names to support them. And that seemed to work out pretty well. And I'd, I'd love to see Star Wars do this. And you already have those big names in your core cast. Yeah, I mean, that's something that Star Wars kind of has always done, I suppose, now that I think about it. Original trilogy, Alec Guinness was a big name. Peter Cushing was a big name. Um, and then by the second movie... James Earl, James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones, yeah. From Conan fame at the time. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Uh... And uh, who else were big names? Then they brought, Billy D. Williams was a name whenever they did Empire. Um, but by the time you get to the sequel, people kind of know who your main kind of 
characters are. So you're not, I think, as reliant on larger name actors, you know. It'll just be nice to have some real solid stuff, you know. We're clearly getting to that point. Filming in May, they got a a lot of work to do and and get everything together for May. Let's pretend for a moment that that we are actors. We are in the business. We've been in some stuff here and there. We're trying to make a career for ourselves as actors. Knowing the high probability that if you sign on for a Star Wars movie... You will be pigeonholed as that guy for the rest of your life. Do you still take it? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it still could. It, it's not necessarily that you'll be pigeonholed. I don't think Natalie Portman was pigeonholed. I don't think. Well, Natalie Portman was already in a name when she was cast. Are we talking about like? But look at Jake we, Lloyd, Mark Hamill. I mean, Harrison Ford wasn't. Harrison Ford. I think Harrison, yeah, like Harrison Ford's kind of the exception because Liam he wasn't Neeson. really known before that, but Liam Neeson was known before that. Ewan McGregor. I mean, he was he, he was, was around, pretty, but I, he was also a pretty big name. I'd have to say that, but and Natalie not, Portman kind of wasn't as big as where whenever she was cast in Star Wars, she did the professional, and that was about it. There were a few other things, and but I'm not, she wasn't I'm, not bringing, that big. I'm not bringing this up to. You know, make direct comparisons to what's already happened in the Star Wars universe. Oh. I just mean in, in film in general with these genre movies, like chance, like Daniel Radcliffe will be Harry Potter until he dies. He's gonna have a hard time being in other things until he dies. But he still has the opportunity to go out there and perform his craft at an extremely high level. Where if he wasn't in the Harry Potter movies, he wouldn't be getting those roles. So that clearly wouldn't the immensity of starring in. Episode 7 wouldn't dissuade you from taking that role. I don't think so. Especially the fact that Star Wars is such a huge, beloved brand. Any actor... But there's a chance you could be the Hayden Christensen of that beloved brand. That's the chance that you take. I think that that is if you're going to be the leading character. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Sure. As the the hero? If you're going to be the Wedge Antilles in a couple movies, it's like, yeah, no big deal. Right. Um... Yeah, yeah, I would do it. Yeah, like because you would I'd, still have a future in the convention circuit. At the I'd absolutely least. be Jawa number two. Yeah. But like, oh, I would. I in a heartbeat, I would be the main character in Star Wars. Well, we know. <laughs> I I would be like any like in Transformers. Yeah, I'd be the fucking. Main it sounds character. like you wouldn't, Paul. Seems well, like you're scared of that I don't immense mean, pressure. I don't, yeah, right now, any of us would be like, yeah, let's do it. But, like, if we were in a different position, if we were legitimately trying to make it as a, a, a real actor, we've already been in some little stuff, some people, you know, kind of know our names, like, yeah, right now, yeah, whatever, sign me up. No, uh, I've, Ninja, I was taking the... shit Ninja Turtles, yeah, let me do it. I was taking the tack that I, I was an actor with a blossoming career, and this could be just another step on into uh, getting me to other places, sure. There's a chance that you could be pigeonholed, but you take that chance with any role. What if you have a really iconic role in some weird indie movie? You could be that guy for the rest of your life. But if yeah, but the the weird the weird indie movie though is isn't gonna be you're not gonna be as typecast as that because people look people look at the indie movie and then they're like, Oh, look at look at the depth and range of this guy. You know, he can go ahead and do this little art house film and let's see, you know, what else he can do. 
But well, how many, But like Hayden Christensen's career got fucking crushed. Was it? Be, yeah, I mean, true. But I mean, that can happen. It can happen in any time. I feel like if, if if I was in that position, I'd be more hesitant to take it because I would have the specter of Hayden Christensen hanging over my head because he was up and coming at the time. I think that if you are an actor in that position, you would take the um, initiative to say Hayden Christian was bad in those movies. I won't be bad. Who? What? Hayden Christian? What, what religion Christensen. is that guy? Christensen. That's what I said. Play back the tape. To the tape. tape. <laughs> Play it back. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Hayden Christensen was bad, was he not? The greatest? <laughs> he was rough. He was rough. He was he was a little flawed here and there. So Matt, Matt, you were going to make a, a point at the same time I was making a point. We both had fingers up. Do you remember what that point was? No, I don't. Uh, what were we talking about when our fingers were up? Um, we were at the tail end of the the no names being cast, mm. right? I don't remember. I don't know. It must not. If I think I was it, looking down when you guys had fingers up, they were pointed at you. I was looking down. You know, for for as much. Star Wars news that that has come out, even including all the Rebel stuff, and you know, as much as Matt beats us over the head with Star Wars on a weekly basis, I want some real shit. I'm ready I do for too. Some real shit. Some real movie shit. Okay, now we're getting back. I'm starting to remember what I was going to say. Um, That's what so we're here for two, we're like a month and a half away from shooting. Obviously, they're telling us they're hinting that you know the the classic. Uh, trio of actors will be back and and yet nothing is confirmed but like yet we know who Wonder Woman is going to be in a movie that comes out six months after episode seven you know what I mean like it just feels like why, why the secrecy what what is the benefit of waiting to announce to all the fans that are eagerly anticipating this announcement, which is just going to leak out one way or another. It's not like there's going to be any kind of revenue-generating event or or whatever. This is the kind of shit that leaks out somehow. What's the benefit of waiting this long? Like, it's, it's just going to leak in the most unceremonious way ever. You're going to see, oh, well, look at that. Harrison Ford is at Pinewood Studios in England. Oh, he must... Yeah, Han Solo's back, folks. Like, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be, like, lame. Do you feel that all this well, they, backlash is making them kind of hesitant to do the cast? I know that seems crazy, but there's a lot of casting backlash that has been going on in the past year. Do you think that they're shy, gun-shy about making... No, decisions? I, I feel like once they announce that Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher are back, the, the overwhelming consensus will be excitement. And so I don't think that there's any danger of them making that announcement and then losing, you know, any kind of mojo for this film. It's going to do nothing but, but generate excitement. So I don't know what the... Maybe they don't know yet. Well, they're saying that we're going to have familiar faces. I mean, come on. It's, it's a month and a half away from shooting. The fucking thing has to be written, right? 
It's got to be written. I don't know. And if and if they can't get these characters, they're not gonna set it thirty years after Return of the Jedi. You know, they'll just oh, okay, we have to recast. So let's make it five years so after. So your Return main of the point Jedi. is at least at least confirm Han, Luke, and Leia. Absolutely, absolutely. There's no reason not to. You don't have to tell me they're going to be the main characters. They're going to be secondary characters. Whatever. Just. Yeah, they're in it. Abrams likes his secrecy. He does. And and recently he's even admitted that he went overboard with the way that he tried to conceal spoilers, everyone. Star Trek, by by putting Khan in there, Benedict Cumberbatch played Khan, and all the way leading up to the movie, he he kept insisting Khan is not in this film. And he was. And then he admitted like after the fact, later in the year, that eh, maybe I kind of went overboard with trying to keep that a secret. You know, rather than just kind of being a little bit more upfront. Because um, it wasn't any kind of surprise whatsoever. By the time he actually officially says his name, we're like, oh, yeah, that's right. You're actually, the bad guy in the second star. Actually, I, uh, I, didn't, I didn't see that coming. No, really? Well, yeah, because like I wasn't really closely following Star Trek. I, I'm very much like a peripheral fan, and I'm really only a fan of the J.J. Abrams ones. I've always thought that it was kind of shitty up until then. I, I like the original show for its kind of nostalgic, kind of retro-y, sort of funny quality. Never liked The Next Generation, never liked um, any of the movies. Everybody talks about how good The Wrath of Khan is. You know, The Wrath of... Yeah, no. No. I I don't give a shit. Like, going looking for the whales, no. I can agree with you on that. Going looking for the whales is retarded. That's my favorite Star Trek movie. The no. Voyage Home. That just goes to show how bad the Star Trek movies are if the whales one is your favorite. Well, the Star... The Rabbit Con is I'm, really good. I don't know how you don't enjoy that one. The now. reason I like Voyage Home is because it takes a different tack than than the other movies. Like, motion picture is straight up sci-fi serious. We are dead fucking serious making this very poor budget space movie. Con gets a little better, a little better production values, but we are still dead fucking serious. Same with Search for Spock. But then you get to the Voyage Home, and it's kind of a comedy. And, like, that's... Kind that's of. What it's I 100% like. a comedy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's banana peels and green pies compared to the other Which ones. is what you always hate. But, like, if I go down, like, my top five to ten favorite movies of all time, the bulk of them are gonna be comedies. Mm-hmm. So, like... I can't handle serious shit. Like, I like The Departed in spite of itself. Mm-hmm. Because it's so fucking serious. Same with Mystic. And it's mob movie. Same with Mystic River. Holy fuck. How I've never serious. seen Mystic River. But, like, I like... I need some levity. I need some, I need some kind of comedy. But Voyage Home is funny. But man. you seem to not like uh, banana peels and cream pies in the context whenever you're... You've established a more serious tone. Like... You know, Thor probably should have been less comedic beats than what it did have. Star Trek established itself, like you just said, as a very serious thing. 
So well, the, the Thor beats, and I, I know I'm treading on thin ice here, talking about the ground. dark world. But the 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 comedic beats in the dark world were just so heavy handed. It was like someone was like, "We need to get something funny in here. Have Cat Denning say something silly. Do something silly." And then you're back. Then you're right back into the more serious tone of the movie. And Iron Man three was. I mean, that was just a laugh right at the entire time. They were like, really "RJD, was. go nuts, buddy!" Or "RDJ, go nuts. Do whatever you want. Say whatever you want. Just, just be yourself." So Star Trek four, what? How but is that Star different? Trek four had like a Back to the Future, Indiana Jones tone to it. Like you had the serious arc of the movie, but there was natural comedy that played out through the entire thing. Like it wasn't the William Shatner laugh fest. Like no, it was, it was just, the Leonard Nimoy laugh fest. No, it was fish just, out of water. It, yeah, it was the natural comedy between you know the straight guy, which was Spock, and you know the loose guy, which was William Shatner, both being fish out of water going back in time. Sounds like the Big Bang Theory, except for the time travel. I wasn't a fan of Star Trek. I think I see what you're saying. Star Trek fan in general. No, I am. I am. I just didn't like that one. I think I get what you're saying, though, how you're kind of more comparing it to Back to the Future and what was the other comparison? Indiana Jones. Jones. I don't appreciate you putting it in company like that, but I kind of get what you're saying. Versus kind of like the somewhat forced, like, zingers here and there to, to try to get those... Quick laughs. Right. I, I got you. Like, Thor the Dark World. Uh, Thor the Funny World. <laughs> the Funny World. So, um, comic books, guys. Did you read anything this week? Well, before we, oh, before we do that, just one last thing. I'm a little concerned that no paparazzi pictures of Mark Hamill at the gym have leaked yet. Oh, actually, uh, I saw today somebody posted a picture of Mark Hamill today. Granted, he's somewhat obstructed by his wife in the photo, but he looks a lot thinner. Um, and it's as recent as today. Uh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I saw it on somebody... You know how, like, you have the story and then all the comments underneath it? Somebody had a link posted to that Star Wars thing. I'll see if I can bring it up while you guys talk. Ian, have you read anything recently? Any novels, books, comic books, trade paperbacks? I read... I started reading the third volume of Sweet Tooth. It's a post-apocalyptic picture of the future where a virus has wiped out a lot of civilization. Jeff Lemire, right? Jeff Lemire. Mm Mm-hmm. Writes and draws it, actually. New children are being born, but they're being born as mutants, half-animal kind of monstrosities that are immune to this virus. And uh, it kind of goes along and tries to track down the cause of, of what is making people sick and how it's connected to the, to the new children that are being born and why they're immune. Um, like I said, third volume. I've been enjoying it uh, the, for a while. It's my first Jeff Lemire book that I, I that I ever picked up, and uh, and there goes Mark Hamill. How'd you find that? Somebody posted it on one of those things. Supposedly it was taken today. However, yeah, his wife is. Yeah, he looks a lot better than he did like when he was doing the Comic Con circuit. But 
If you look, his wife, I think that's his wife, she's carrying a plastic bag. And if you look closely, you can see it's got Chex Mix it's in it. It's a massive amount of Chex yeah, Mix. Yeah. And I hope like, that's not for him. I that think he's of, on the Chex Mix diet. That bag of Chex Mix is the size of her torso. Yes. <laughs> that's clearly in the Sam's Club parking lot. It is all for him. So, I don't know if it's his binge day or what, but... Um, he has definitely lost significant weight, so that I think that's encouraging. See, I read, I read the first two volumes of Sweet Tooth, mm-hmm. and I was unimpressed. Mm-hmm. Love Jeff Lemire's DC stuff, Justice League Dark, Animal Man, brilliant. But the Sweet Tooth story—it's a creator-owned thing. I think part of it in like part of DC, right? You know. Right. Part of it was his his artwork. I think he's he, not he the did. greatest illustrator on earth, no, but I think that's real, what he's going for. He's got a real wobbly style to it. Like everyone's ugly. Yeah, like, super nothing ugly. Is, nothing is attractive. Everybody's lumpy that. or super skinny. Yeah, he's gonna. He draws the last issue of Animal, Animal Man that comes out. I think it comes out next week before they cancel it. And I'm kind of bummed out. Like I wanted to get Steve Pugh or Travel Foreman or even Raphael Albuquerque back on it. For the final issue, but it's been Lemire's baby since the start, so I guess it's fitting he draws the final issue. But he draws ugly people. And not ugly, hot people like uh, Frank. Like Frank Frank Whitley, Whitley, yeah. So, are you into Volume 3? Because you like Volumes 1 and 2. Yeah, I'm halfway through. Not much going on so far. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I'd recommend, if you like something, something different... I would recommend Sweet Tooth. Uh, check it out. It's it's a little strange, but I like a little yeah, strange from little, now on little, again. A little too weird and a little too pedestrian for my taste. Like, I kept expecting something bigger to happen, but it's... The story almost seemed like The Walking Dead, but with no zombies, only with a kid with antlers. Yeah, it's a little bit like that. Yeah, like, so... You ever see the movie The Road? No. Denzel? Uh, no, that's Book of Eli. Oh. Eric Rose Mort- Vigo Mortensen. Yeah. yeah. No, haven't seen either one. Alright, I haven't seen it either, but it's kind of what we're talking about, isn't it? Sort of, from what I understand of The Road. Um, I, I've had an interest in seeing it. I've heard it's an incredibly just depressing movie, though. Like, you, you would... If you saw it in the theater, you'd walk out, like, kind of taking little steps, kind of shuffling along with your looking at the floor. Like, you just feel just... That's how I left Closer. Uh, You went and saw that in the theater? Yeah, what a... I mean, really good, but really fucked up. Like, I mean, there's just no reason to be positive about anything. Hmm. After you see Closer, just go break up with your girlfriend, because, I mean, you're going to get... It's it's just bad news. Who's in Closer? Uh, Natalie Portman, Julia Roberts, Jude Law, and Clive Owen. Oh, Jesus. I did see that movie. She was a stripper in that. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that was super depressing. I was thinking recently about our buddy Clive Owen, who was Dwight in the first Sin City movie. Friend of the podcast. Yeah, I like how you put it. (laughs) Our buddy. Now, Clive Owen was kind of like the hotness for a while. Like, girls loved him. He was in kind of a lot of semi-popular things like Sin City, Closer, Children of Men. Isn't that what it was called? With uh, Jennifer Aniston? 
No, it was it was the sci fi movie. Children of Men. Children of That's Men. That's right. And and he was kinda it. And and I feel like I haven't even heard that dude's name in years. Yeah, he had quite a run in between two thousand and six and about till two thousand and nine. Then after that not really in anything popular. It, it makes me wonder, like, his kind of popularity has gone away. Why wouldn't he be involved in the, the new Sin City? Julianne Moore is the lead actress in Children of Men. That's who I was thinking of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe he's that was just, a cool movie. Maybe he's it. just taking a break. Mm. Taking some years off. Yeah. Or, I don't know. Matt, have you read anything lately? Yeah, I read uh, a book called um, Starlight. And that that's that question that I ask isn't just set up. I mean, it's because Matt probably reads the least of all of us. That's a legitimate... Well, have you read anything? Yes. Starlight. Yeah. Is that the Neil Gaiman thing they made a movie out of where Robert De Niro plays a gay uh, air pirate? Uh, that's Stardust. Stardust, yeah. Starlight is um, it's different than that. It's written by um, Mark Miller. What's it, Frank Miller? Mark Millar? Miller, whatever his name. Uh, who, I used to be a much bigger fan of him than I am now, because I think I've mentioned it before, but I've, I've come to realize that that man really simply is not capable of writing a redeemable, likable character. <laughs> And I don't know about you guys, but I like to like the characters that I read. Um, and if I can't, then I don't really give a fuck. It gives what me nothing you, to care about. What made you pick up this book if you already have that feeling about uh, Mr. Well, Millar's it's an image book. It is an image book. I saw the image eye on there. But more importantly, I was intrigued with um, the the setting. It looks real premise. Star Wars-y. Uh, the it, images um, that come up when you Google it look it it's probably a little more John Carter than yeah. Star Wars uh, space serial for sure yeah the the book starts where you see snippets of um, I actually forget the main character's name but we'll call him Clive Owen we'll call him so. Clive <laughs> Owen podcast. So Clive Owen, uh, it starts out on this other planet, and he's ba- basically being heralded as this savior, this hero that saved the people of this planet, and then kind of flashes the present day where he's just waking up, and then he he looks miserable. He goes to his wife's funeral, and you're starting to realize, okay, this is the same character, but the, the stuff on the other planet was a long time ago, and... Uh, as it turns out, he at one point was a, I think, I can't remember, I think he was like a test pilot or um, some kind of military guy. I, I believe he was some kind of pilot. And he somehow ended up in this other world, saved the people, decided to go back home to his girl, who, from what we pick up through dialogue in this book he ends up marrying and having kids and everything but now we're in present day his wife has since died his two children his two sons have moved away and they're kind of assholes and um he's just trying to carry on without his wife and um you just get a sense of like real sorrow for this character for for clive and he 
Clive's actual name is Duke McQueen. Duke McQueen. Holy that's comic terrible. book name. That's and, terrible. And let's call him Clive. And in in the book, he he's kind of like ridiculed and mocked. People think that he was like he went fucking crazy because he came back. He he had gone missing and then he comes back and he's like, oh, I went to this other world and I saved the whole world there and everything. And and they're like, like yeah, that's no crazy. excuse for not being in movies. <laughs> Yeah, right. That's where Clive Owen is right now. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, at the very end of the of the book, um, and this is issue, this is issue one. Issue one. At the very end of the book, uh, this spaceship basically shows up in his backyard, and it's somebody's basically coming to say, "Hey, Clive, we need your help again." You saved the world once before. And Frank Miller's like, fuck, you weren't kidding. You were. You, that's why you couldn't be in Sin City 2. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the the book is drawn... I forget what the artist's name is. Um, Goran, Goran Parlov. Parlov. Uh, he drew... If you nice guys, American kid. If you guys recall that Punisher story I was telling you about, the one that... Were, the, took place like in the bayou and the Punisher basically was dealing with like a like almost a village of inbreds. Yeah. And he had to like rescue oh. those teenagers. Um one of my favorite all time Punisher stories, if not my favorite Punisher well, I don't know. Welcome back, Frank's really fucking good. Welcome back, Frank. High bar Punisher stories. But this one is has gotta be one of the more the most underrated, let's put it that way. But anyway, same artist. Really like the artist. Um, although I will say I prefer him drawing the Punisher and that kind of stuff versus the sci-fi stuff here. But, um, I'll tell you what, guys. This might have been the best new thing I have read in a long fucking time. That's so, pretty high praise. Very high pra- Like, I read, the other new thing that I read recently was Mercenary C. This blows it away. Blows it away. I, I would recommend it to both of you. It's it's exactly the kind of thing that I like. It's very, very character-driven. Um, like, you feel for this guy and, like, his kind of just his sad kind of empty life that he's living. And, and now he's being thrust back into having a purpose. And the cover's pretty cool, too. I don't know who drew the cover. It looks a little Alex Ross-ish. But um, it's... So John, John Cassidy. John Cassidy. Okay, it's it's kind of like a duality cover where on the left side it's his old self, and on the right side it's his young self when he was a hero. So Mark Millar did the impossible and wrote a likable character. He sure did. Yes, he did. On the strength of your recommendation, I'm currently downloading this right book on, man. to read. Fist bump. Despite you all it, your current it was, it was insanity. A fist bump. It was very gentle. Yes. Well, folks, I think that's going to do it for episode 47. Some good spirited debate about Godzilla. A little less spirited debate about Star Wars. I thought, you know, some some tempers would have gotten gotten robbed, but we're really all on the same page about this. What did you think was going to happen? There's not much to disagree on. Yeah, you seem like pretty confident. I, I thought that you were you were anticipating saying something that you knew would irk well, me. I think I think when I first when you sent us the text earlier today about the news, 
I don't think I realized, like, we kind of already knew that and, and speculated that. Yeah. So I, I, I expected there would be more meat to chew at on that bone. Yeah, it was a little, little picked at already. But, like, say. like the Star Wars news, it's, you know, bare bones. Comes out in little us, dribbles. They don't give us a whole lot. I think the floodgates will open soon. That I, I don't think there's a, a choice. We'll be what? showered in Star Wars goodness. Yay. So that's going to do it for episode 47. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Matt Cassell. And in spirit, Clive Owen. We'll see you next time.